Hey friend, I'm Aristasia. Welcome to Passion and Potential Podcast. I'm a creative business owner that followed my heart, learned some things the hard way, and created a passionate career for myself. At 22 years old, I quit my marketing job to start my business in a new city with no friends, no experience, and a whole lot of emotional baggage. I'm using the lessons I've learned in life and business to inspire you to embrace your passions, discover your full potential, and chase your dreams in life. Now, let's get on with the episode. For today's episode, I have a special guest, and we will be discussing the challenges of owning a business while still working your full-time job. So I have Erica Dotson joining on the episode today, and she's going to talk about how she navigates her journey of owning her photography business while still working in corporate America. We're going to talk people-pleasing. We're going to talk boundaries. We're going to talk tips and steps that she's had to take in order to just make all of this possible and doable. It's a really good episode. So listen to it, take notes from it, and be sure to stick around to the very end of the episode because I have a special offer for you guys for a free mentoring session. So be sure to listen. And here we go. Erica is the world's biggest sweetheart. And she's actually one of my brides I'll be photographing this year. So I am one lucky gal to have met her and have her in my life. She is a recovering people pleaser, a caring, outgoing introvert, which made me giggle when I read that in her description of herself. And she's currently running a business while still working in corporate America, while being a fiance and a bonus mom, while handling life and all the curveballs it has thrown her way over the last few years. Erica. You are just quite the superwoman, if you ask me. <laughs> Hello. Oh, my gosh. That was like the sweetest, like, love language is words of affirmation. So you just hey. filled my cup today. <laughs> because I would love if you would further introduce yourself and just kind of expand on your world and your beautiful story. Yes. So I... I'm working the corporate America world as well as running my photography business. Um, I've been doing the photography now for about two years, um, hoping to make that a full-time thing and leave corporate America for good. (laughs) Um, All while being a fiance, planning my wedding, I have the world's greatest photographer photographing me for my wedding. So pretty pumped for that. (laughs) Um, And then my fiance has two awesome little kids that I, uh, I inherited overnight three, almost four years ago. Wow. Um, so I've been doing the, the bonus mom gig too for, uh, for a while. <laughs> you have so much on your plate. It's like, I mean, I get, I'm a multi-passionate person, but you're doing it all. Like how do you manage that and manage your time and your boundaries and not just go into a literal overwhelming anxiety attack every morning? <laughs> Well, don't let me fool you. I did. (laughs) It's a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, It takes a lot of work. It definitely, there was a lot of diving into not only my own personal growth, but then also diving into my past and then my, my future, which now includes a family um, and a business. (laughs) So I would say the biggest thing that that was the priority was prioritizing myself because you run a business, you're always thinking about your clients working in corporate America. I'm always thinking about, you know, the customers, 
being a fiance, I'm thinking about my future husband, being a bonus mom, I'm thinking about my stepchildren, everybody needs a piece of me. And then that left me with nothing for myself. Um, so navigating those waters to just remember that you can't pour from an empty glass, right? So making sure my own cup was filled and figuring out what filled my cup was probably the first thing to, to navigate. Um, and that's actually where the photography came from. I was told I need to find a hobby and I picked up a camera and it turned into a business, which is pretty cool how that came to be. <laughs> I actually never knew that about you. I just knew you loved photography. <laughs> Yeah. I, so I always had the eye. I always had the dream and the love for it, but I never had anything to, to push for it. And I was in a very depressive time of my life that somebody told me, just find a hobby, find something that brings you joy. And I had an amazing now fiance um, who decided to buy me my first camera and said, just give it a go. A couple months later, he bought me a laptop and said, try actually editing the pictures that you're taking. And it grew. <laughs> Well, I do at some point in this episode, don't let me forget it. Cause I do want to kind of branch into a little bit of relationship stuff and talk about like what it means to have a supportive partner. But for yes. now, while we're on this discussion, um, so here's where, okay. So you said you're a recovering people pleaser. Yes. So I would imagine that's very hard to be this person for everybody. I mm-hmm. get that. Um, <laughs> but now, so you originally photography was your hobby to help with that. But now it's your career. So what does that look like? Did you have to find another hobby or did you just, you get so much joy out of photography that it kind of doesn't feel that same pressure that maybe uh, you had before when you were trying to do all the buckets? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I definitely, and you can totally understand during busy season, it does still sometimes bring me a little bit of overwhelming emotions but it's not in a, it's not in a negative way. It's in a, okay, I'm just really busy kind of way. Um, no photography completely filled my cup, filled my buckets, filled my heart, filled everything for me, because even though I'm recovering from being that people pleaser in the same instance, I'm still able to kind of do that just in a more healthy boundary setting way. I get to capture people's love stories and their babies and their weddings. And so I'm still people pleasing, but it's not unhealthy. And that is where it's like, I found that, that balance of who I was versus who I wanted to be from behind the camera. I think one thing I, that like really helped me when I was going through all of that was, okay, am I having anxiety because I hate what I'm doing or because I'm overwhelmed? And when I was doing, you know, corporate office job while trying to start photography, I had anxiety because I hated my job. (laughs) Like that is a much different um, anxious feeling, then I'm anxious because I want this photography to thrive and flourish so much that mm-hmm. I no longer have to be in this office job. And I think that's where you really have to dig into your emotions and say, what is it that is making me uncomfortable right now? Completely. And like the, the, where I'm at right now is Monday through Friday, I'm working corporate America. My weekends are my photography and it's, it's like an 80, 20 and during the week, if you were to ask me like how I'm doing, I'm probably going to tell you I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. I have a lot going on and it has nothing to do with my business or photography. It has everything to do with 
where I am with the corporate America and just trying to find that balance of being able to walk away from that, take that plunge and just pour myself into the business. Um, so finding that, that balance right now, while basically not having a day off of work essentially is, is it's the, that is the highlight of where I'm, I'm navigating those waters for sure. I remember having to do the, like the grind, like when I was doing both office and photography, but I didn't have kids and I didn't have a family. (laughs) So even though it was absolutely challenging, I was almost kind of able to just think of myself. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you ever have fiance guilt or mom guilt or, or or so much support? It's okay. (laughs) Yes. No, um, mom guilt and fiance guilt are very, very real things. Um, and I am very thankful that I have a very understanding fiance who just, knows that I can sometimes turn into a tornado and he just lets it pass. And then he comes back to help with the debris. <laughs> um, but where I try to find that balance, because it is really important for our family dynamic is that we are still a family. We're not just going to hit the grind and Monday through Friday, do the, the job. And then I'm gone for photo shoots or weddings all weekend. And then I'm just left with no time with them. Um, so we plan, we pre, we pre-plan everything. So if we have like a family night planned, it's on the books like a month in advance. Um, if we are planning like a movie, like we see a movie coming out or something like Encanto for any moms that are listening to this podcast, I'm sure you have seen the movie Encanto. <laughs> we knew that was hitting Disney plus the day it came out. And we made sure that we literally put it in the planner. Like we're having a family night to watch that movie. And There's nothing that the kids love more than to snuggle up with all of us on the couch and just watch a movie. So we have to plan a lot in advance. Um, And I think a lot of people don't understand that because like, even like planning my wedding, I was talking about my bridal shower last year and everyone's like, "Uh, you don't have to do that for a long time. And I'm like, but no, I really do have to get it on the books. Um, So just planning it, just planning in advance is really the, the easiest way to make sure everybody is still getting the piece of me that they need. So that kind of uh, leads me into my question, my next question for you. I was going to say, what are some of the tips that you have for other photographers or even just business owners as a whole that are tackling two careers at once? So obviously planning, is that like tip number one? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, definitely planning and keeping yourself organized. So anything you could do ahead of time. So as a photographer, I'm very big on like pre-planning, like a pose, or if I have something that I like for sure need to remember, I'm going to have that done before I even get to the session, because otherwise I don't want to forget it. I want to make sure that their experience is still what they want it to be. And it's done. It's off. It's off my to-do list. Um, that's another thing to-do lists. They're all over my house. They're in my phone. They're on the walls. They're on post-it notes next to me. Like literally everything has a to-do list. Um, and it takes my family a little bit of time to adjust to that, but then we make sure that nothing gets lost. Nothing gets forgotten. Everything is still kind of running smoothly the way that it should. Um, and then as far as during the week goes, navigating the business while also working corporate America, pick your battles. Yeah. So obviously corporate America is going to be your priority because you have to clock in and clock out and you have to do the job or you will be fired. So Monday through Friday, I tend not to look at any messages. I tend not to answer any clients until I'm off of work. Um, sometimes they have to wait you know, a few hours to get a response from me, but they're very understanding. and. 
I have to be graceful of myself that I cannot answer you right away because my, my priority right now is, is the corporate job, not photography. So kind of putting your things in a priority based off of what time of the week that you are in is really going to be helpful as well. But I think that's also just a healthy boundary to set regardless, whether you're in two careers at once or just one, because I absolutely find myself doing that too. I'm such a personable person. So, and I'm also forgetful. So, so someone texts me at you know 11 PM asking something about their wedding. I'm like, I got to answer now. <laughs> like I must yeah. answer now. And yeah. so that was one thing I worked through too, is being like boundaries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you cannot be available 24 hours a day <laughs> for one person. <laughs> And a big thing that came with that for me too, because same thing, putting your phone on do not disturb at night is like a heaven sent. If our family needs us, I, I don't know how Androids are, but iPhones, you can put like your favorites. So like if something is actually wrong, the phone call will come through. The text message will come through. Oh, but anybody funny. else, it's so silenced. My phone does not go off at night because I don't need it to. It can wait till morning so I can sleep. <laughs> good I yeah. yeah I don't usually put mine on do not disturb like the only time I do is if I have like a friend who just keeps calling me drunk <laughs> and I'm, like, alone, I'm sleeping but that's a really good idea in terms of like notifications and just like general text messages and emails and mm-hmm. okay. it's also a good boundary for relationships too um that was something that we struggled with in the beginning was just you'd be in bed and you'd be scrolling social media big thing recently is scrolling tiktoks we have a no phone zone, put your phones on silent and it doesn't matter who's texting, what Facebook notification you're getting. That is, that is our time. That is that that's a, it's a no phone time. <laughs> I think that's literally me and Mike's biggest fight is because like he doesn't really do phone or any social media. Like I literally had to make him an Instagram and it was just so he could follow me. And I'm over here like, well, boo, I'm scrolling through Instagram reels, trying to get ideas for tomorrow. And he's like, could you just not be on your phone? I'm like, oh crap. Mm, yes. Yes. I really dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> this is boyfriend time, not real time. This <laughs> mind all the time. And I was just yeah. going to ask you, how do you get out of business mind? Cause especially like you said, photography used to be a hobby. Mm-hmm. So aside from setting a time, aside time to plan, how do you just calm your brain down? <laughs> um, I don't. Okay, I feel like as just being a creative person, and I'm sure you can totally relate to this, our brains just don't shut off. (laughs) Um, The thing that you really just have to do is kind of, again, you're just prioritizing it. So even though like right now, I'm sure I have clients I need to answer to, I have galleries I need to go edit. Right now, my priority is this podcast. Everything else is going to wait. It's still, I'm still thinking about it. It's still there that needs to be done today, but it's not in the forefront of what's important right now. You know, it's funny. You mentioned putting your phone on do not disturb at nighttime. And I was like, ah, I never do that. But every time I record a podcast, I put my phone on do not disturb <laughs> priorities. Yes. Ah, priorities. Okay. So yes. I have a question. You said you are a recovering people pleaser. Like you said, uh, you tend to people please in all buckets of your life. I am curious. So right now you're able to be very focused on this is my corporate job. So during those hours, I'm that this is my photography job on the weekends during hours. I am that. Do you think when you go full time, you're going to have trouble saying no to people because you will have more availability and time for people? Um, yes, I think that is, I think that is a very fearful reality that I'm going to take my, my skills that I've learned over the years and just implement that boundary that there are still other priorities other than photography during certain times. Um, 
I think what's going to make it easier for me is I have a family. I have a fiance. I have two children that need my time that during those hours, if you will, (laughs) that's, that's my priority. So even though I'm going to want to to edit or I'm going to want to do those things, some of the, the, the boundaries I have in place now, I don't edit while the kids are awake. I will not edit if the kids are home. So those things will kind of roll over into it, even though being full-time, because I know that when my children are awake, my priority is them, not my computer. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then from a creative perspective, yeah, (laughs) you currently struggle or even think you'll struggle with creative people pleasing. So do this session. Yes, I'll do it, even though you don't want to do it. Because I, that took me years to understand. It was like, I, well, I'm good at photography. I should do this. And they want me to. So, and all they thought of me, so I should say yes. Do you struggle with that at all? I did a lot last year. Um, And I question if that was people pleasing or if that was just trying to get my name and build my business out there. Um, But this year, that was one of my like goals, if you will. is that I'm not going to take what I don't want because part of being a business owner is that I'm in charge of, of this. I'm in charge of what I want it to be. Isn't that beautiful? Like it is, but how do we forget that? Like, no, wait a minute. We are CEO. We are in charge. Yeah. We're like all hail the clients. I will do everything for you. (laughs) I just, I, I just had a, a, an issue. I don't want to say an issue, but a situation where it was a blizzard, a literal blizzard. And I was just not ready to go into that session because I know my camera is going to not be happy. I know I'm not going to be happy. I know that little baby for that session is not going to be happy. And as much as, you know, my client wanted to still get out there and get those snow shots, I had to explain to her, like, listen, everyone's going to be miserable. Let's push you to a day that we have the snow, but it's not snowing. And it was a really hard conversation for me to have because I didn't want to tell her no, But at the same time, I know the work I wanted to produce. I know the experience I wanted my client to have. And I had to kind of put myself out there and say like, listen, this is, this is what you want. I know you don't see it right now. Um, And we had the session and she loved it. And she was so thankful that she wasn't covered in snow at the end of it. (laughs) I um, I think also like hand in hand with that is like, it's easy for us to be like, oh, we're saying no to them. We're saying no, like that could potentially be disappointment. But I think if we almost reframed it to say, Yes, we're saying no, but we're also educating them Mm -hmm. on a better way to handle this. And so you're not just saying no, because I hate you and I don't like you and I don't want to photograph you. You're saying, (laughs) hey, I've done this before. I have a better vision for you that I know will result in better photos. Let me educate you on that. And I promise you, you will be happier. Like It's not Mm -hmm. because you hate photography. It's because (laughs) you want to do the best that you can do for them. Right. Exactly. And that's I, a big part of like my brain. And I'm sure you can totally relate to this is it's the experience. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want a client to come to me and feel like they are just like say cheese and they feel awkward during their whole session. And it's just like cringy and like everyone's miserable. And then it's for smiles and screaming kids and all of the things that just don't make for good photos. Right. Mm-hmm. So a, a big part of it is, is the experience of it. So to go out in a blizzard versus to go out when there's just freshly fallen snow, let's educate a little bit. And like you said, that, that is going to make overall the better experience and photos and everything around the board. Um, and that, that is something that I had to really work on too, because again, last year building the business, I very easily would have been like, yeah, sure. Let's go It's you know, it's the storm of the century, but we're going to get your family pictures done. 
there were so many tears shed over me saying yes to things I never should have said yes to. Yes. Yes. And that I think, I think we all struggle with that being business owners, because in the beginning, you genuinely just want to help everyone. Like you said, they're reaching out to us because they like our work. They like our personality. They want to work with us. You want to make income. So, and like, especially if you're at the beginning stages and of course you're like, okay, well, that's just another amount of money that can go into my photography bank account that gets me to the next step. So I think that's yep. why I have to, um, like we've been talking about, just create boundaries, think of things strategically, like what's going to yes. get my next step. Is this for money or is this because I'm people pleasing or is this because X, you know, X, Y, Z it's just yep. really thinking, what am I saying yes to? And what's the reason why I'm saying yes to it? And I think what's really hard to kind of, to get the, the into is why did you start this in the first place? You didn't really start it for money. You started it because of joy, or in my case, I needed a hobby. I needed an outlet of something that wasn't a nine to five desk job or being just a mom or being just a fiance. I needed something for me. And when you kind of cross those boundaries of just saying yes to everything, you're, you're kind of digressing back to, okay, this isn't for me anymore. This is for everybody else. And you have to keep yourself in line that, no, that you did this to bring you joy, not to stress you out. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I am curious before I move on to like some of like the deeper layers here, you are in your second year. So two questions. One, what has been your probably most impactful learning through these two (laughs) years? Like what have you learned the most or um, what stands out the most? One, and then two, what are some tips you would give for someone else who wants to start a business? And in this case, I I think we could be specific and say a photography business or a creative business. So the thing that I would say I learned the most, um, hmm, that's a really good question, honestly. I didn't give you a heads up of that and I apologize. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I feel like just in general, building a business, you're learning so much. Like you don't learn about this stuff in school, right? (laughs) You know? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I went from picking up a camera and just taking pictures of my kids and some things outside to doing pictures for family to being a legitimate business where I'm like photographing people's weddings and it happened so quickly. So I would say probably the biggest thing I learned over the last two years with regards to that is actually some of the advice that you have given before is making sure that you stay within the boundaries of your niche. So making sure that you are just staying grounded to what you started and why you started it. Um, because for me, kind of what we were just talking about, it was so easy to just say yes, 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 yes. to all of the things. And I would walk into a session that I didn't necessarily really want to do and be like, okay, well, this isn't fun. (laughs) Like losing some of that joy that originally was a hobby. And that's when when your career is no longer, you know, that passionate joy, it's now a job. And the goal of every, at least the ones I know, creative entrepreneur, it's like, I never want to get to that place where I'm resenting my career as a job. Yes. Yes. And I think that is, that's probably, I would say, honestly, probably the biggest thing because it, it, I didn't go into this as a job. I didn't go into this thinking that it would become a business. I genuinely went into it as just a hobby and something fun to do on the side. And so kind of navigating that curveball of, okay, wow, I'm actually good at this and people want to hire me then became very overwhelming very, very quickly. And then it was just scary because like, 
filing for an LLC and getting a business bank account and all the things that come involved with that. It's just like, like I said, nobody oh, teaches you that. Like <laughs> of learning. And once again, like, yes. you do not teach you that in school. So you're right. just on Google, like, how do I be a business owner? <laughs> yes, exactly. Google search. <laughs> um, okay. So I am curious, could you give like three ways? So you mentioned that you went from having a camera to now you are, uh, like running a business and having clients and making money from those clients. Can you share three ways that you found those clients or at least those clients found you and you were able to turn the hobby into an actual money-making career? Yes. Um, So the biggest one is going to be social media. I built a majority of my business. uh, I would say over a year and a half of it was purely based off of Facebook and Instagram, Um, making sure that you are active on that. So For me, I usually try and post every two days. Um, The algorithms of Instagram and Facebook are constantly changing. So honestly, I'm still trying to navigate that myself because I feel like nobody's ever going to figure it out. (laughs) Just keep putting yourself out there. I'm like, you can get discouraged by like the changes, but don't ever let it get you to the point where you're now a ghost. You're no longer. Exactly. Yep. So definitely stay active those things. Um, it's funny because, uh, like I said, a majority of my business was all social media. I just launched my website a month wow. ago. Oh my so gosh, every, cool. yeah, yeah. So everything was, it was purely social media. So making sure like I had like friends sharing my posts, getting my names out there and then word of mouth, obviously, you know, somebody saw somebody's family pictures and I'd be like, Oh wow, I want to have her. Um, so that was what really, really helped me kind of grow at this point, um, moving into like 2022 where I'm, I'm now booking weddings and everything, staying up to date on like saying, how do I want to phrase this? I I don't want to say staying up to date on the trends, but staying up to date on what, what the brides are looking for. So like a wedding three years ago is going to be completely different than a wedding coming into 2022. Um, so making sure that your, that your brand is representing not only you, but also what you want your client to feel. That's, I don't like the word trendy. I hate the word trendy. So like, if anything, I think you're trying to say like, really think about what your client needs and yes, yes. <laughs> and yes that's perfect. <laughs> so like, yes, a couple, three years ago might have wanted this, like, let's say super posy photos. Yes. One, that's not your style, but two, I think we've kind of grown into a little bit more of like in the moment photography, mm-hmm. so just keeping in mind what they want and, and allowing them a chance to see that through your social media. Right. Exactly. And that, that kind of goes back to the whole experience, right? It's thank you for phrasing that for me. Cause mom brain definitely kicked in on that one. Honestly, <laughs> everyone can phrase something better for me if, if they say it. But I cannot speak my thoughts eloquently until someone else does it for me or if I do it for someone else. I'm like, right, no. I could not, like, I never could have done that for myself just now. It was only because it was for you. Here I am. <laughs> Love it though. It totally works. It makes this mesh very well. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that. I love this perspective of like this newer, um, it's like you're two years in and you're, oh my gosh, you're already like, 10 billions of pages forward in terms of learning and, and growth. I mean, I think it took me like seven years to learn all this stuff. I think it's kind of cool and hopeful though, that you built it off of social media. I think a lot of people get caught up in the, I got to build the website. I got to do all these things. And it kind of like stunts them from Mm -hmm. putting themselves out there. 
So I think that's kind of a reassuring for people out there that like start with what you have and then keep moving forward. Oh yeah. I, I would say the biggest advice is worry about the behind the scenes stuff later. Like if you have the work and you have, you know, the pictures to share or the clients to book, do that now. Worry about your website later. As long, I mean, anybody, pretty, I would assume most people have an Instagram, post a picture, it takes 30 seconds, right? And that's just getting yourself out there is what is going to help you grow. Dare I say my biggest life motto, uh, progress over perfection. <laughs> yes. Coming yes. from the perfectionist in recovery. <laughs> yes. Yep. hundred, hundred percent. Okay. So I love hearing this, like the beginning journey of your business and like things are just super hopeful. And I can see that you are just super excited about what's to come to you and next year. But, um, I think you have quite a backstory and you've had some roadblocks. I feel that. And I think that roadblocks and life challenges can really, really, um, make an impact on, on your growth. I mean, it's so hard to, to get through life when life is throwing you challenging things and especially to accomplish things that you're dreaming of when you're literally depressed. Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost, <laughs> could you share a little bit about some of your very bumpy journey that's pre-engaged fiance Erica, you know, thriving in her business and career? Can you share a little bit about this, this, uh, Erica, that was going through some, some muddy water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I reach, I like hold her in my heart and I wish mm. I could just give her a hug sometimes because like seeing where you can become and where you can go. Like, uh, I wish she knew that then. <laughs> I know. And I think we're very hard on ourselves too. So when we're going through yeah. hard times, we're not giving ourselves the love that we really need. So yeah. when you're like in a much more, um, open state of mind. You're like, Oh my gosh, I should have just been nice to myself. (laughs) Yeah. Give yourself that grace, man. (laughs) Yeah. Share some Um, of that. So I, I mean, I, I grew up in a very normal home. I had my mom and dad together. I had some siblings, um, mom and dad divorced when I was 18. And a month after I found out about that, I had to pick who do you want to live with mom or dad? Um, And that was really, really hard on me. And looking back on it now, I didn't realize just how hard that was. Um, And I ultimately ended up picking to live with my mom. And unfortunately, from probably 18 until I was 25, the relationship with my dad kind of took a turn because of that. Um, And I say till I was 25, because then he passed away in 2018. So not having that opportunity to kind of rebuild that relationship with my dad before he's no longer here came with a lot, like a lot of emotions. Um, and I still, I mean, I feel like anybody who's listening to this can totally relate, totally relate that if you've lost somebody so important to you, especially a parent, um, and it wasn't the greatest relationship it, you harbor a lot of guilt and, you know, anger and sadness and all of these emotions. And I think that kind of just snowballed into this depressive state on top of that, I was dealing with, you know, trauma from high school boyfriends and, you know, not great friendships because who knows how to be a good friend when you're drunk and 21, just partying all the time. Um, and so I just, I, I, I didn't know how to deal with emotions. I was never taught that. I don't, I feel like so many people in our generation just Isn't aren't taught crazy? to deal with emotions. It's such a difference. <laughs> I talked to, um, younger generations, especially like Gen Z, like my assistant Maddie is Gen Z. 
And just the emotional awareness she has at age 21 compared to what I was at 21. I'm like, what? what? Right. Right. You what? actually can like, we're not identify. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely. And I think that hinders people more than they even have any idea. Like I'll talk to even some of my closest friends and they'll just be like, oh, I'm having such a hard time. Da, 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 da. I'll be like, okay, let's try and like, t- like dissect it, talk about it. And like being able to identify and name an emotion is so hard for our generation. Like we just can't do it. <laughs> um, so I finally decided kind of after all of that, um, I started to kind of rebuild myself alone. Um, I, I didn't want to seek help. I didn't want to ask for help. I kind of was just like, I'm strong. I can do this. Um, I met my now fiance and he was also kind of coming from a rocky past. So us both having walls up started our relationship very, very guarded. And that was hard for me because I just, I hate the phrase, you know, when you know, but I definitely knew when I met him. (laughs) It's It's completely true. Completely true. And so falling for this man who's very guarded, he was hurt and me being very guarded and very hurt. It was hard. And then I met his kids. So now I have all of this backstory with losing my dad and not having a great relationship and working in a job I didn't necessarily love. I didn't have a hobby and past boyfriend issues and friendship issues. And now I have two small children. Um, At the time they were five and eight. So they were very young, very influenced. It was very hard. And I, I'm sure any mom listening to this can totally relate in the sense of when you have a child, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And for me, I went from zero to two and I didn't get a newborn stage to adjust. I went from zero to two full grown children. (laughs) So it was a lot. Um, and I, I, I remember so vividly just sitting in my driveway, talking to my now fiance and telling him I'm not okay. And I want to be okay. I, I want to be better. And then started my journey in therapy. And it was a, it was a really really rough year and a half, just dissecting, you know, the inner child work and and my trauma from childhood and learning the emotions and coping and all of the things. And like I said, I just, I hugged that little Erica inside of me because she was so broken. And now I'm the woman that I am today and the boundaries and being able to talk about feelings and emotions and everything. And it's a really beautiful journey to go on. It's hard, but it is so worth it. So did you start your business when you were still kind of in the brink of this depression or was starting the business after all the therapy work and whatnot? Yeah, no. So my therapist is who suggested I needed to get a hobby. (laughs) Gosh, that is the coolest. Yeah. How did that, how did that look for you though? I mean, depression has such, I mean, depression is literally, it affects everything, your health, your mental health, your energy, your motivation. Mm -hmm. Was it just the the thought that maybe there's hope, like that the camera brought you hope? What, how did depression affect you in the beginning stages of this, I have a camera and I can make something with it mindset, I guess. It was hard because I had, I had the camera. I, for years, my mom would always tell me, you have such the eye, you have such the eye for photography. And I didn't know what to do with it. Um, And honestly, I would say, I mean, everybody, depression looks different for everybody, right? So for me, 
it was very, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to do anything. Right. So even though I had this new hobby, I had this camera that I could take pretty pictures with. I still had no idea what I was doing with it. I had no idea how to work it. Total guilty. I started taking photos in auto. <laughs> so yeah, stuck somewhere. Yeah, nobody knows. Right. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I would say, and this kind of goes into what you were talking about earlier, having a supportive partner, oh. Charlie, my fiance, I don't think I've said his name on this podcast. Yet. I know his name. Yes, Charlie. Charlie fiance. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he is my saving grace. I'm like, Oh, I get goosebumps just talking about it because he, he is me such- goosebumps. <laughs> such an incredible person, but he's an even more incredible partner. And he was the one, I mean, he bought the camera, right? So like, he was the one that was so forceful of me, like get the hobby, try to get out there and do something. Like I would literally be sitting on the couch and be like, Hey babe, I'm going to take your picture. And like, he hates pictures, but he'd sit there and he'd let me practice and do it. Um, so I, I, I account a lot of my ability to be able to kind of push myself through that hard time to the better side, not only with my self-work and just kind of telling myself, you have to get out of this. This isn't who you are, you know, all of the things that you have to work through, through depression, but also being able to have that supportive partner was a complete game changer. And that was something I wasn't used to either. Not only for my own, like personal life, I definitely kissed a lot of toads that just were not good people. (laughs) Um, But then obviously, you know, I come from a home of divorce. Yeah. So I just, I never knew what a healthy happy relationship truly looked like and to be able to be one of those people now it's like wow okay (laughs) was it hard for you to let him love you I feel like if you don't come from this uh I don't know like understanding like healthy relationships you you're on the defense and like I know me personally it was like I don't want you to love me and help me out of this. I'll get out of it myself. Like, was that hard for you? Or were you just like, I'm finally being treated so good. I'm accepting it. (laughs) Um, No, it was very hard for me. And it's funny because, and he will tell this story. I'm sure you'll hear this story at some point at our wedding later this year. He specifically didn't ask for my number. He made me chase him down to give him my number because he knew that I was a flight risk. He knew that as soon as he gave me that attention, I would be like, nope, I'm done. Walls up. Yep. So he, it's funny because he always says, he's like, oh, well, you were the one that was interested first. I'm like, no, you just had inside scoop that you knew that I was probably going to be like, eh, no. (laughs) Um, And then as soon as our relationship started to kind of like progress into this love story, um, I mean, two months after we met, my dad died. So like he was seeing me at my ultimate lowest at that point. And to see how much he was there for me, how supportive he was, all of those things. I think that's when I kind of opened my eyes like, wow, he's he's actually a a good guy. Those do exist. And it took a lot of work. I mean, I would say the first year of our relationship, even like if there was something wrong, he'd be like, you know, what's going on? I'd be like, nothing. I'm fine. Even though I'm like sitting there sobbing. So it took it took a lot of work to get to the point where I'd be like, actually, this is what is wrong. Um, But we got there. I will say, um, kind of to go back to that supportive partner thing, it's, it is one of those, you don't even realize how much having a supportive partner can do for your, you and your confidence, because yes, you should find your own self-love and your own self-confidence. But when you have someone in your life who doesn't have that in you, oh, well, no wonder you're like, you're just going to be even harder on yourself. And, and it's, it really is magical when you finally have someone who's like, yeah, I believe in you. No big deal. And you're like, well, I believe in me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
you. <laughs> well, that meant a lot. And, and then you look hindsight, you're like, how dare I ever let someone in my life that didn't? What is wrong with me? Especially oh my God. Treated so good. Yes. And that is where like, I, I, you know, I'm raising a daughter, she's going to be 12 years old and she's coming into that age of she's, she has a boyfriend now. (laughs) And like, I, I see her and I see, you know, how sensitive she is and everything. And I, I never want her to feel the way that I'm sure a lot of us girls did growing up that, you know, we don't have that self-love. We don't have that self-respect because we weren't taught it. Right. (laughs) So it's, I think that's a really good motivator to just having another generation or another person looking up to you, even for you, like you can relate with your niece. Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) like it's just to have that little person looking up to you. Like it it makes you want to, to love yourself more, to, to have that modeling relationship rather than just like bickering and not actually really liking each other. (laughs) I think it also probably helps to for her to see her dad treating you with so much support and kindness. Like that oh, very much. a standard of like, um, I'm sorry, my dad does this and he's gold. So you're not worth my time. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, a hundred percent. And that was something that like, when I first met Charlie, he was so big on just modeling happiness for the kids because, so he is a divorcee as well. So his two small children come from a home of divorce. And so for him, this was a second chance to show them what happiness could look like. And it's so cute. I was just flipping through pictures the other day and his daughter made a comment and was like, you make him so happy just by looking at a photo of us (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know what? Like, obviously we do make each other very happy, but to have his children noticing that is like gold star across the board for me. (laughs) What, what advice would you give to somebody who is in their low? And maybe it's someone who does want to start a business or just find a hobby or find joy. What advice would you give for them that lets them know, like there's hope out there? Yeah. So I would say first off, ask for help. Um, it is okay to not be okay. And it is okay to ask for somebody to help you get to be okay. Um, trying to do it by yourself. I mean, we can all try, but how far are you really going to get? Probably not very pretty lonely road. Certainly does not feel more loved. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Staying lonely is not going to give you more love. (laughs) Um, and then as far as just kind of navigating those waters to be able to find a hobby and then maybe even start a business or, you know, whatever that passion is within you. For me, honestly, it was just, I I genuinely surprised. I sat down and I made a list. What are things that bring me joy? What are things that bring me passion? What are things that make me happy? And from that, you can kind of dissect it and say, okay, let's give this a try. Like, did I sit down and try and play video games with my fiance to see if that brought me joy? You bet I did. Did it bring me joy? Absolutely not. (laughs) I was going to say, I cannot picture you being a gamer girl. (laughs) not. I tried it. And I, I mean, that was, that was probably like the first step of just putting myself out there and just trying some things that maybe will click and maybe won't. Um, and then for me, obviously it was picking up a camera and pushing myself to try pushing myself to educate, picking it up every day and taking random pictures of things in my house and then putting yourself out there. It, it is a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. It is not a race. And I think the biggest advice I can give somebody who is, you know, in this depressive state, that's just trying to find that light 
is just remember that that light is represented by something. There is something out there that is going to light your world up. You just have to find it. You're make me cry. <laughs> You're like speaking to me, but also like younger me right now. <laughs> right. That's what I, we just, we hold those girls so close to our heart because they, I mean, they've been through so much. <laughs> okay. So I want to, to kind of like wrap up the episode. Yeah. I think it would be interesting because we're both in the same industry. We're both business owners. Um, we're both young women. I want to roll reverse and ask you if you have any questions for me. You know, I've been a business owner for like, oh gosh, like eight years now, nine years, something like that. I don't know. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, and, you know, my, much like you've had a roller coaster of emotions in life. And I'm just curious do you have any questions for me from the opposite side of things, the opposite perspective? Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I've always, I've always looked up to you. I've, and I've said this to you before. I've always looked up to you as a photographer, but then I've also looked like getting to know you. I've looked up to you as a person. Like I know a little bit of your backstory and like your growth and everything like that. And I guess I, I would ask you the same question is when you're going through these, these rocky waters and these troubling times, how did you find the light to just continue to pursue your dreams and keep going? I think first and foremost, um, I did it wrong. <laughs> Trial and error. Um, don't do what I did. I often tried to find my light in other people, but it was never finding my light in myself. Yes. So it was like, well, if I can spark joy in my partner's life or in my friend's life or in my sibling's life, then maybe I'll be happy. So I never allowed myself to really find the light inside of me and to find the happiness and the love that I deserved. Um, it was like, if I could impact someone else's life and fix theirs, then all is well. And so I think that comes from a place of one, not loving myself and not thinking I was worthy of those things, but two, almost like deflection, <laughs> disassociation. It was like, let me not okay. focus on me. I'll focus on you. And then I don't have to deal with my dirty work. So I, <laughs> so I think that, of course, like maybe it would spark a little bit of a high, right? A tiny bit of joy because I'd see someone happy, but then I'd always end up back in these ruts and I'd be back in my depression and I'd be back in this, like, I am a lost adult. I feel like such a black sheep and I never could find this inner being and this inner happiness. So I think first and foremost, I had to get honest with myself and really look at my life and, and decide if I was doing things for me and for my life, or if I was just living in this chapter book that was written for someone else. So I had to get honest. I had to spend time with myself. And I think if we're going to go mindset route, I just, obviously therapy helped, <laughs> but then Always um, an advocate. <laughs> advocate. But I think I just really, really had to remind myself that everything is temporary. Yes. And so right so now, true it like at that current time, it's like when I was in my lowest, like it is, I was low and it was garbage. And I just kind of had to remind myself that this is one chapter. It's not my whole novel. <laughs> like there's better to come one day. This is going to make sense. Just keep pushing forward. And, and this is where like the being with myself thing came into play. Cause it was like, I couldn't push forward towards a life that would bring me joy and get me out of this very, very deep, dark hole. If I didn't think of what I wanted for me or my life. So I really had to get aligned with my values, 
even if it meant that other people weren't going to be happy. And I love that. that people were going to be disappointed. And if it meant that I was going to have to be authentic and people weren't going to like me, like I very much so tried to mold to other people around me to make sure that they were happy with the version I was presenting. And then I, when I did do this change of that doesn't align with what I want for me or my life or my heart, it did unfortunately result in a lot of lost people, but that was where I had to think about the long-term effects. Like, well, if I'm just people pleasing and I'm just, you know, being this fake version of me to make them happy, I'm always going to feel like that black sheep. So I think, yeah, getting very honest with myself, spending time with myself. Um, and, and then just remembering that this was a temporary chapter, not the whole book. It was just, you know, there would be a time when it would get better. And then obviously through all that, I did a lot of coping mechanisms, <laughs> a lot of them, like a lot. <laughs> I love that you say that it's, it's, it's temporary. It's not your full story. It's just a chapter. Um, and that actually reminds me of some of the best advice that somebody ever told me was you're not broken. You're just bent. Yeah. You are, you are never permanently broken in half or, you know, whatever. It's, it's just a temporary bend and you can always bend it back. Yeah. And it's going to hurt and you're going to feel sad and low, but oh, yeah. I think I just really tried to put my eye. Like I remember I had like in big letters, I think written somewhere in a notebook or it was just like eyes fixed on the sun. It was like, focus on the sunshine, like not to, yeah. not to discredit that I was, or to suppress my feelings that I was depressed, but it was like, think about the long-term road, like that pretty sunset. That's going to be at the end of it right now. You're in the dark clouds, but it's there. It's going to come to you. You're going to figure it out one day. <laughs> I love that. Now for photography, was that, was that a passion or was that something similar in a sense for like, for me, it was, it was a hobby to get me out of depression. How did, how did that come about for you? No, it was always a passion. Um, ever since I was a kid and I, I still, I'm not 100% sure where it stems from. I think it stems from my mom. She took a lot of pictures of us growing up and I kind of like liked that idea of Oh, my mom takes pictures. I want to take pictures. Um, and then I obviously kind of have this artistic inherent uh, being of me. So it was always a passion. Um, hands down, it, my, my lifelong goal was to own my own business and be a photographer. I never wanted to work for other people. I never wanted to work in an office long-term. Um, it was always the goal. Now to get to that goal obviously was a... <laughs> a roller coaster. And I had to do a lot of, of uh, learning how to not do things, seeing as I did most things wrong at first, <laughs> but it was always the end game. And I, I'm grateful for that. Um, and I think that that, if I were to broaden that, it makes sense why I was so miserable working in the office because I knew deep down in my heart, that's not what I want for my life. It's not what I want for myself. And I felt like I was wasting time. I was like, what oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, this isn't what you want. And every day that you dedicate 40 hours to these people, you're taking away from your dreams. So, yes. yeah. So yes. it was, um, I think I always knew deep down and, and I did work for other photographers in the beginning stages, like right out of high school. And I liked the photography aspect, but I am such a free spirit and I, and I hate, uh, to be controlled, even <sighs> if someone doesn't do it in a malicious way. Like, it's just, I don't yes. like the boss. And I'm also just a big visionary. I like to be in charge and think of how I'm going to grow something in the marketing aspects. And so, yeah, photography was always the goal. It just, you know, I had to stay on top of that. And then I had to learn like which photography I like and da, 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 you get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was no, always that... the plan since I can remember. 
I love, no, I love that so much. And I love, I love that you said I wasn't meant to do the 40 hours a week. Cause I always say my creative brain, my creative brain is not meant to be stuck in a cubicle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that was one of those moments. Like I've always kind of had like ups and downs in terms of my mental health and like my depression, uh, mental health and depression, anxiety definitely runs in my family. So I think it, it can come very, uh, I don't want to say easily to me. It's just like, it's there and I have to maintain it there. Yeah. Um, and so I do remember when I was working in that office, I, Oh my God, I was so low. I remember I'd wake up in the morning and I just would cry because the thought of going to this job that I hated, that did not allow me to be passionate. I, I would literally just like cry. And like, I hated it. And then I remember I had that like epiphany where I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is crazy. Why am I crying every morning at 8 30 a.m.? <laughs> yes. And that's, I feel like so many people have very similar feelings to that and they just don't know how to get out of it. They don't know what the option is to, to find their passion, to find the thing that doesn't make them cry at 8 30 in the morning. <laughs> and so, and that actually leads me to my literal like closing statement I have on every episode is. What is your advice for someone yeah. if they don't have a passion? Oh gosh, find one. <laughs> <laughs> but how? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I would say, especially if you are in like a depressed time of your life, the only thing that is going to help you get out of that is some sort of passion, some sort of joy um, in order to find one. Um, I would say just try new things Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe it's baking, start, you know, find a Pinterest recipe, give it a go. Maybe it is video gaming by yourself or with a partner. Again, it wasn't for me, but you can still try it. (laughs) I did Um, for you. (laughs) Exactly. Um, it, maybe it's photography. I mean, there's so many things, maybe it's painting. Mm -hmm. So it's just, honestly, just try new things. Like I remember sitting in Google searching hobbies. And just going through a list and making my own. And what did I want to try? What did I not want to try? And just being able to find something that just brings you joy. I just find that. Because it will grow. And when you're depressed, it's hard to not think about the small steps. It is. Like, well, I'm not happy. The baby steps to get to a place of happy. (laughs) Yes. You can't just wake up one morning and say, I am happy. You can wake up and choose happiness 100%. But you have to make sure that you're filling your cup with something that is making you happy. I don't know. The manic side of me sometimes decides it wants to wake up sad and sometimes it wants to wake up happy. All right, girl. <laughs> no, I totally get you. Try things and just give it, give yourself that freedom to just experience for the, the sake of experiencing. You don't have to, yeah. or whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be your and- and don't be your own roadblock. Like, don't talk yourself out of it. Like, I mean, if it's baking and you're like, good God, I'm going to burn the house down. No, you're not. <laughs> like, just try it. Start small. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. This was so good, Erica. I loved hearing your journey. I love hearing everything you're excited about for your life and your career and your family. And just, you're so passionate about every little bucket of your life. And I, I see so much happiness on you. It makes me so happy. Thank you. I'm going back to that. If other people are happy, (laughs) but no, it really, really does. And I'm so glad you found that confidence in yourself and in your relationships and in being a mom, you're amazing. Where can people find you? Well, 
first off, thank you. Um, this was so much fun. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ericajeanphotography.com.com. That's my website, um, but it is also Eric. <laughs> Uh, it is also Erica underscore Jean underscore photography and Jean is spelled J-E-A-N-N-E, commonly mispronounced as Jean, not it. <laughs> um, and I'm also on Facebook, um, Erica Jean Photography there as well. Okay. And I will be sure to link that in the show notes. And that being said, thank you so much. Thank you again. Yes. No, thank you. Wow. What an amazing episode. I am so grateful for Erica and her willingness to share her journey of, you know, starting her business while also working full-time in corporate America while also literally handling life and a family. I am so grateful for her sharing all of that. That being said, my friends, I do have a special offer for anyone who listens to this episode. If you click the link in the episode description, you will see that you can get a free 30-minute mentoring phone call with me. On this phone call, we will discuss your goals. We'll give you a little audit of your branding and your marketing and whatnot. And then the last 10 minutes of the phone call, you can ask me any question you want in regards to owning a business, marketing, branding, uh, photography, whatever it is. The mic is handed over to you and you can ask me anything and I will answer with every bit of my knowledge. So click that link, do it, do it. It's in the description. Sign up and let's get your phone call going. Let's do it. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. I would appreciate that so, 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 so much. If you share it on Instagram, you can find me at, at A-R-A-S-T-A-S-I-A at Aristasia. And be sure to join the Facebook group, Passion and Potential. That being said, until next time, my friends.